listening to 27 Talks Podcast. Step into the world of hair. We've got ideas and stories to share. Supporting salon culture and life. We'll provide the education. One talk at a time. Amber sits down with hair icon, Nick Arroyo. Well, hi, and welcome to 27 Talks. Today, I am thrilled and over the moon because I happen to go on social and request the biggest favor of someone who is so incredible for just a little bit of their time. And lo and behold, this fantastic human said yes, and I could not be more thrilled. So I would love to introduce not only a wonderful phenomenal hair educator, a hair icon, salon owner, product developer, need I say more, Mr. Nick Arojo. I am so phenomenally thrilled to have you with me today. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting to you. Well, I have been in this industry since 2005 and you were one You're of- a baby. You're a baby. <laughs> Not entirely. I came into it late. So career-wise, a baby. Yes, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but um, one of the very first shows that I actually had the privilege of going to was premiere in Orlando, and you happened to be there. It like as a very new stylist, it blew my mind to see these things that were kind of paving the way of what this industry has in store, and I as a young stylist could not have been more excited. And I just want to give you a quick shout out and say thank you so much because you had a hand in that excitement that I still try to bring to um, Behind the Chair every day. But I want to hear about how you started Behind the Chair. Um, maybe not that it was 2005, but I really would love to hear. Tell me a little bit about how you fell into hair. Well, I went to an all boys Catholic school and um, I was very uh, quite. I was quite intelligent as a young man, as a young boy, and um, but I really wasn't into anything academic. I was really into fashion and music. So I started DJing when I was twelve years of age, and um, and by the time I'd got to fourteen, fifteen, I was really interested in meeting girls. Being in an all boys Catholic school, it wasn't such a great thing, and I really was into music because I was a DJ. So when it came to leave school in England, you leave school at 16, I thought the best job would be a job that I could meet girls and listen to music all day. And therefore the hairdressing salon became the perfect place. But once I started working in the salon at 16, I quickly realized that, you know, Nick, if this is what you've chosen to do, you've got to do it to the best of your ability. So that's been my mantra since 1982. And it continues to be my mantra in uh, 2020, which sounds like the future, but I'm in the future. <laughs> you have made the future in this industry. You have had a hand in that, that's for sure. What an incredible, incredible journey. And you have just, I mean, there's so many people in this business that you have had a hand in client-wise, is in, you know, behind the chair-wise, you're phenomenal. So thank you, thank you for all nice. those years. 
I'm not going to get out of the salon tonight. My head's going to be too big. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you'll just be there for your clients in the morning. So it's good. <laughs> good. Good. I will be. I will be every day, seven days a week. <laughs> So when I first started, I actually started working with a Bumble educator in my early beginnings of my career. And then I decided that not only one, you know, mentorship was, an apprenticeship was enough, I needed two. And so my second stint, um, I ended up actually joining the phenomenal company Sassoon. And yes. at that time, um, my creative director and educator, Mr. David Goodwin, um, yes. had a, this photo that was like burned into my brain that was hanging in the office. And yes. I had actually told him one day that I had first bumped into you at this event at premiere and i'm like oh i met nick one time he's like oh your old pal nick i'm like well i mean i was very young and excited he goes let me show you something and he showed me this photo uh -huh. and um it is incredible this picture is and i went ahead and sent it over to you as we were kind of yep. planning all of this and i um, so grateful that David had it for us to share. And I would love to hear a little bit about that picture and that time and that place and what that was like for you. Okay. So, you know, when I started working as a hairdresser, I went to work in the nicest looking salon in town, which was a suburb of, uh, of Manchester. And the salon looked really nice, but it really didn't provide the level of education that I was striving. I felt like if I was going to do this and do it to the best of my ability, I needed to find the best place to learn. Um, and Vidal Sassoon was a place that I thought I'd never get the chance to work for because uh, I don't come from, I come from kind of like a very uh, working class type family. Uh, we didn't really have much, um, but we had enough of everything that we needed but you know i felt like Sassoon's was a little too fancy and they didn't like my they didn't let my my kind in but as it happened um i kind of you know forced myself into the Sassoon organization and i got an interview and then luckily they gave me a job and a little fun fact uh from david i had to change my name because my real name's david and uh, there was already a David there. So I was Wayne for about three hours before I realized that Wayne didn't sound good. And then I was pretty much told that I had to choose my name straight away because I'd already chosen Wayne. I wanted to change it. And in those days, people didn't have time for a little assistant, you know, changing this and that. So I became Nick and I've been Nick for the last 38 years. So I've got two names, David and Nick. And uh, when I started working for Sassoon, I was really kind of in awe because um, I knew I was with very talented people. I was in an international set. Uh, it was a very exciting time. And the salon and the team, you know, some of the people in that picture there, you know, Peter Bradley, who was the general manager. You got Mark Hayes, who was the artistic director, is now the global artistic director. Martin Doff, uh, Billy Curry. You've got so many great people in that photograph. Some of them still work for Vidal Sassoon. I know Diane, who was a dear friend of mine. So it was a special time. It was a special place. And I was very fortunate to be a part of it. And it really kind of helped shape who I am today 
because they were very much into structure and discipline. And, uh, and I think that if you're going to have a successful career, there are two things that really have to be the bedrock of, of you. Because while you can be successful if you don't have those things, I think uh, you have to have a lot of luck. And I think that realistically, most people have to work to get a lot of luck. So I'm thankful I had that beginning. I was at Vidal Sassoon for 10 years. I rose through the ranks uh, on a very steady pace. And I learned a lot from a lot of great people. And uh, you know, I learned, you know, kind of like the foundation of, of what I am today. But, you know, I always say, let's not look back and go, oh, the good old days. The good old days are ahead of us. Yeah. So I'm always uh, looking to the future to see what the future is going to bring, because the things that worked in 1982, 1983, 1984, they probably don't work to the same level in 2020. So we've evolved, but it was a great part of my history. And I'm thrilled that you sent me the picture. I do have the picture, believe it or not. And in those days, Vidal Sassoon used to do a yearly picture so we have quite a few of them out there in the universe. And I think that, you know, it would be a nice thing to bring that back. But um, it's pretty tough in this new world that we live in. There's a lot of complicated hurdles we have in this new world we're living in. That's for sure. That is for sure. I think that is so awesome to hear that story. And I mean, it's hilarious about I had no idea about the David and David. That's amazing. Um, you know, with that being a, a time and a place that really did sculpt you, is there anything in the past that was kind of this like benchmark for you that was like ignited your career into the path of where you are today? You know, if we take 2020 as kind of that like barometer and we're talking about prior to what really set it off for you? Is there one moment or maybe a couple moments? Well, I think very, I'm a very simple person. You know, you go to work to make money. You need money to live. Yeah, I think one of the key things in life is to, uh, you know, provide for yourself and to provide for your family. Yeah, I don't want to be taken care of by anybody. I don't expect it or anticipate it. Coming from a pretty much working class family, we never really could have some of the luxuries that, uh, that I wanted at the time. You know, when I used to go to the store with my, with my father, I used to have to buy off the sales shelf. I could never buy football boots from the, from the top shelf or the middle shelf, which was the new line, the new items, the cool new thing. I couldn't have that. I used to just, you know, get the stuff, but it was always the most affordable. So, you know, when I left school, I said to myself, you know, Nick, if you're gonna, if you're gonna want, if you expect to have something in life, you're gonna have to work hard for it. And, um, and I've just been working hard every day, trying to do better. You know, I always learn the lessons. I try my best to keep my ears open. I think you make mistakes along the journey. When you make mistakes, it's when you learn. I don't beat myself up, but I try my best uh, not to repeat the same mistake. And it's kind of a mantra that has stayed with me for my entire career and my life, really. You know, I think, um, you know, uh, fundamentally, you know, you work hard. You dream big. That's what led me to America. You know, I had a dream that I wanted to come to America. It wasn't like I dreamt one night and woke up and said, I want to go to America. It was more as I was growing up, I was aware of this land on the other side of the ocean called the USA. And New York was always magical. So, you know, I always wanted to move to New York. 
and I always wanted to come here to explore the American dream. But I always knew that um, I, I was kind of like, because I was young and I traveled the world with Sassoon, I was very fortunate, you know, having to go to Japan and going to Australia. So in my early 20s, getting on airplanes to fly around the world to do hair, I felt like, wow, that was so spectacular. And I never wanted to come to New York until I had a proper job and a reason to go because I didn't want to leave. I didn't want it to be a place that I just visited. So, you know, I've just always kind of followed my dreams and the dream and the imagination and the vision has to come first because if the dream and the vision and the imagination comes first, you know what you're working towards, yeah? So uh, I've just constantly focused on, you know, where do I imagine myself being and what do I want my life to look like? And then I work to that goal and I, and I work around Sometimes it's difficult to kind of get to the destination. You don't know what's going to happen. But I think as long as you know where you want the destination to be, you know, and, and, and that changes in life, you know. I mean, life, you, you have different ideas and you go through different phases and different dreams and different stages. And then just like we've experienced right now, you get thrown these curveballs that, you know, if they'd have told us that we were going to be locked down for three and a half months and you're not going to be able to work, I think we'd have all said, nah, I don't believe that. But obviously, that happened. And we're now living in this new world and a new reality. And it, and it presents us with a whole new set of challenges, you know, which is, um, which is scary, but it's also kind of exciting at the same time. So I try my best to focus on the positive. But I have to tell you, there's not an hour that goes by that the negative turns up. Yeah, not an, there's not an hour that goes by where I don't have a thought of doubt or a, a thought that, oh, maybe I can't make this or maybe this isn't going to happen or maybe I'm just not good enough for this. But I always try when I get into that headspace, I try to click back. And I do believe that, you know, my experience in life um, has enabled me to believe that there is more than just uh, what you do. There's a universe and the cosmic universe, I think, will reward you um, as long as you're prepared to uh, put in a lot of effort and not have too much expectation. So the only thing we can do and the only thing that we can control is ourselves. So I just try my very best to uh, try to do the best that I can uh, even at like the most difficult times and this surely has to be one of the most difficult times in my lifetime and probably in, in many people's lifetimes. I mean, we've lived through uh, wars, we've lived through September the 11th, uh, but you know, now we're living through a pandemic which we never thought we'd have to, to live with. It's unprecedented and it is so daunting and I'm right there along with you. Like I'm just nodding every step of the way here as you're saying this because it's true those those negative thoughts, those worries, those fears, everything does creep in. And how do we just snag that, rein it back in and just put all that effort forward to move at lightning speed and do it in the most positive way, like arm in arm with each other, raising each other up. I mean, that's really why I even began doing these conversations because I wanted to hear from voices just like you who... Yeah have a positive message who can say you know what yes everywhere you turn the news is crazy everywhere you turn people's lives are so turned upside down but yet this is the way that we can persevere through this and i have a short list of 
things that had happened during shutdown and then just on the other side of shutdown that have been so immensely positive. But is there something that you can think of that you're like, you know what, if it wasn't for this craziness that we're in, I wouldn't have had whatever. I mean, what, is there anything that comes to mind for you? You know, I think every lesson's a learning lesson. I think at my age and at my stage, you know, going through this has made me learn a lot about society. It's made me learn a lot about this country. It's made me learn a lot about the world. And uh, it's also enabled me to think a little bit freer than I thought before. You know, the fact that uh, rules are being put in place that really don't seem uh, right to me makes me believe that, you know, maybe I just have to be less, I don't, I shouldn't live in fear uh, anymore, you know. To me, I just closed down my Tribeca location, yeah? So what comes with that is, is a lot of debt. So I got the bill today for the last four months, it's $400,000. You know that I'm gonna be heading to the courts with a lawsuit to deal with that. Yes. I, uh, I, I just invested uh, $750,000 in uh, Tribeca and I'm still paying for it. And now it's shut down and now it's a debt and it's gonna be something that's gonna be a harrowing journey for me, but I can't live in fear, you know? Uh, so I have, to, I have to live and do what's right. And at a certain point during this time, I thought, well, if, 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 I, if I close down a facility, because I just know I'm not gonna make it because of the environment and the climate, the, the, the business climate, um, I'll have to shut everything down and call it quits. And then at a certain point I said, you know what? I don't think so. I mean, if I just walked away from the space, then yes, I would be in a lot of trouble. But all of a sudden, I had to leave a facility because the government prevented me from working and I couldn't work in a space that I was paying rent on. And, and, I, and I said to myself, you know what? I'm just gonna do the best thing that I can do, make the right, the best decisions that I can make. And uh, let's see how, how it all comes out in the wash. So I suppose, uh, we, I used to be the guy that used to like to kind of see everything through till the end. Okay, what if this happens and this happens and this and what should we do about this and how do we do that? And that's how we process. Today, I'm a little bit more like, you know what? I don't know what the outcome's gonna be, but I can tell you what, uh, the, what I'm doing is the right thing for right now because um, uh, I still believe I deserve to be in business. I still believe that um, I would not have closed down my Tribeca location had the government not shut me down for such a long time. And therefore, I still believe that when push comes to shove, um, I'm gonna be okay, yeah? And I think that, you know, you just have to try your best to, to stay positive, you know? You have personal challenges, you have professional challenges, you have family challenges, you know, the older you get, the, you know, it seems to have the problems seem to get bigger or the more successful you get, sometimes the challenges become bigger. Um, so I think it's a big learning lesson for me, really. I'm like, learn how to, you learn how to wear it. It's a little bit like when I first moved into uh, my location here in Soho and I had to give the landlord $24,000, actually $32,000, three months security and one month's rent. Uh, $32,000, number one, to give to somebody was like shocking for me. Um, but today, 
you know, I, it's like you learn how to wear these responsibilities and you learn how the costs become, you know, the money becomes something that you can cope with so much more when you, when I first started thinking my rent was $8,000 a month, I would lived in fear thinking I'm going to pay 8,000 a month. And then, you know, before COVID, my rent was 200,000 a month and I was still sleeping. I was still getting up and I was going through it. There were good days. There were tough days, but I'd managed to build a big business. And, um, and I'm a firm believer that if you do it once, you can do it again. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, I can navigate the highway and uh, you don't have to have the badge that says you're the smartest one in the crowd. I think, oh, you've got all this experience. I don't have to wear the badge. You don't have to have the badge. No one's going to give you the badge. I just think we have to tackle our challenges day by day. Believe in yourself. Get out of bed. Put one step in front of the other. When you start going down, uh, an, uh, down the kind of negative, you know, disbelief, uh, woe is me, you become the victim. Uh, try and do something to get you busy so you can change your mindset. It's a bit like a child. I've got children. I've got two of them. And uh, the best thing to do when they're not doing well is to change the topic altogether. It's like a shock therapy. So if they're upset about something, you try and change the mood as quickly as possible. And it takes them to a different place. You have to learn how to program yourself so that you can take yourself to a different place. I love it. Every, every sentence that you just said, I'm so inspired, but I will tell you this on the other side of it. You have an entire industry that is going to be clapping and cheering and making sure that all of that hard work that you're doing and all that positivity that you're doing, we're backing you all the way. And I'm, I'm going to say it from the other side of the industry because it's, you, you've got this and we as a, as a salon community have this and you know what? It's not been easy. Any step of it hasn't been easy, but that is exactly what people need to hear. And I thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, listen, I mean, I, you know, I lost 80% of my staff during this close down. Yeah. So I come back to business now and, uh, and I kickstart because I'm not just, it's, it's really not, obviously you need money to survive, which I discussed earlier. I'm not, I don't work for money. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you do go to work to make money. You know, I'm lucky that I've managed to, I've surpassed all of my dreams, you know, and like, I, I suppose, I don't know, but me, it's like, oh, I wished I could go here and I've been there. I wished I could fly that way and I've done that. I wished I could live in this place and I've done that. I wished I could own my own apartment. I've done that. I wish I could drive this car and I've done that. So I've had some really magical moments in this journey of life that I've had. Uh, today, I like my wish is that New York uh, becomes that vibrant place that I that I knew it was. Um, I wish, and I think that it's important for me to play a part in um, trying to be there for the community. And my and my hope and my intention is I can survive. You know, I can survive it. Obviously, at the end of the day, you know, your business is down at seventy five percent. So. You've got to get it from 75% to, you know, uh, you've got to build your business from 25 to 30, from 35 to 40, incremental steps. But it's a challenge. But you know what? Uh, if anyone can do it, I, I believe in myself because I know that I will turn up no matter what. And, um, and as long as you're prepared to turn up 
and you're prepared to do what you need to do, you'll find the energy and the strength to help see you through. And I, and I do think the universe will take care of me. So intention is, um, is a massive power and the human spirit is incredible. And this is my journey and I'm not going to end it on a bad note. I want to end it on a positive. You certainly will. And I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. Well, I want to ask you a couple questions about yep. you and fun uh -huh. and just getting to know you as Nick. Okay. Okay. So you just talked about New York's magical. I agree. New York, there's, there's part of my fiber that lives in New York, even though I've never had the opportunity to actually live in New York. But I want to know what is your favorite thing? And I know it's been tough these days in New York with just this 2020 and everything, but at the core of New York, what is it? Either your favorite place or your favorite thing about it? Talk to me about that for a moment. My favorite thing about New York City is the people. Yeah, it's the people, you know, the, 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 the mixed bag of everybody all gelling together, you know, from uh, models, movie stars, actors, actresses, to club kids, to street stylists, to, you know, graffiti artists right the way through, skateboarders, roller. I mean, I, I was walking down the street yesterday, I left the salon, you know, and uh, there's so much eye candy and stimulation here. Even now, we're starting to see that comeback, which is exciting. And there was a girl in a rollerblades and she had a shorts and she just looked so like down with the program. And then off she went down the road and I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that urban, um, you know, kind of reality, you know, uh, people don't walk in lines here. They, 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 it's, 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 a, it's a scrabble. Yeah. That's not like everyone's going this way. Everyone's going every way. It's fast paced. It's a little bit more dangerous now, like it used to be, which I, I'm not a big fan of, but that does bring uh, a little bit more of uh, you know, heightened awareness for your situation and your surroundings. But for me, it's the people that I like. That's what inspires me about New York City. And that's what inspires me the most is uh, knowing that I live in a place where there's a lot of great people with uh, a lot to offer to me personally and to each other. You know, I just had a great meal up the street. You know, we're eating on the street now. I'm talking to a guy from L'Oreal. Uh, I had a great, you know, stimulating conversation and people are passing by and the food is uh, spectacular. So, you know, there's a lot of great things in New York City, you know, and obviously I've traveled America a lot. So there's nothing better than when I know that I'm going home, I'm going home to New York City. I like that. That's, I've always liked that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, what is your favorite animal? <laughs> <laughs> Just a nice, easy segue into from all the glorious of New I'm York. Not, I'm not really been. I'm not, I can't tell you that I'm really like an animal lover, but I suppose if I had a favorite animal, it would have to be a monkey. It's awesome. Monkeys are yeah, great. Yeah, monkey. I think monkeys are very, very cool. But, you know, I don't have pets. I've never had pets. No yeah. dogs, cats, or any of that stuff. I don't intend to have them. It's not my uh, life. Yeah. But uh, I think monkeys more my, uh, my style. I love it. I love it. Um, so be it that we're stylists and we all are our own breed of crazy and neurotic, what is your behind the chair quirk? Like, what is the one thing like you can't proceed doing with the service until it's handled? 
Uh, if I don't have my towel folded, yeah, my towel has to be folded and it has to be on my station. Yeah. If I don't have that, I'm not going anywhere. And I like my water spray bottle. I like my hydro mist and I like my tools yeah. and, uh, and that's it. But if I don't have my towel, I don't feel like uh, I'm prepared to do the service. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I literally like lay mine out like I'm a surgeon, you know? Yeah, and that's good. Need to go. I yeah. love it. And I think the clients appreciate it too because it elevates your professionalism yeah. and uh, you're organized. I always say the same thing. If, if your client can visualize your attention to detail with your surroundings, then they know you're, you're going to take good care of their hair. That's for sure. Agreed. Um, what's the, what's, the one thing about hair and a hair trend that you hope will stay forever? Natural hair texture. I love working with natural hair texture more than changing the texture. So the nice thing is, I think certainly recently it's become even more in vogue. You know, I remember coming to America and watching the Disney movie. I don't know what the movie was, but it was like a princess and uh, she wasn't beautiful until her hair was straight. And I thought that's such a, such a, uh, like, why can you not be attractive with curly hair? So the fact that we are so much more in tune with curl and natural texture and wash and wear hair, uh, to me, I think is, uh, that's what I love the most. I, I love that. Um, who inspires you? Well, you know, there's a lot of inspiration out there. You know, I have had a lot of mentors. Um, I don't really follow too many people, to be honest with you. Uh, the people that inspire me the most are the people that I work with every day. And what inspires me is when I, when I get to watch them and I get to see them grow and do great things. And then that inspiration comes back to me because um, uh, it just feels exciting to see somebody evolve and develop. Such a rewarding feeling. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, you, I know in the eighties, you were saying about DJing and being, um, you know, into kind of the club scene, but today, what is your favorite either band or music? What are you into? Well, I've always been into, uh, into, um, house music. I'm still into house music. The EDM scene is something that I like. I like that kind of music. When I was a uh, 12 year old, I started playing punk music. But then by the time I'd hit my late teens, house music was uh, super popular. I was part of that in 1987, part of the movement. And, uh, and I still continue to um, be inspired by, you know, that kind of uh, upbeat dance music. It, it gets me going. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, my last question. Hey, you'll see me with a glow stick. You know, oh, yes. Yeah, you got to get out there. I was talking to the incredible Miss Sonia Devon. She was saying that she's always at, you know, Burning Man and, and loving the uh, EDM scene as well. We've got, we got into talking about all of that as well, which was fantastic. But awesome. it's hard not to be excited about that, right? Upbeat music. Awesome. Um, the last question I have for you is what makes you laugh? Oh, you know what? That's good. That's a great question. Uh, my children make me laugh the most. When they laugh, I laugh, yeah? Because, you know, they're, they're 10 years of age, they're twin boys. They say things that are so unique. They grow up so fast these days. And, um, and when I hear them laugh, 
it makes me really have a great time because you know what? You're only as happy as your saddest child. So when both your kids are happy, then you're okay. As soon as those kids came into the universe, I said, you know what, Nicarosio? It's not about you anymore. It's about your boys. So, uh, you know, I am a very proud father. I love my kids. And um, as long as they're happy, I'm happy. And when they're really happy, I'm really, really happy too. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing not only your journey, but what does inspire you. Getting to know a little bit about you as well. Um, but truly, your words are so inspirational. And I just hope that even if one single stylist or salon owner hears this, that they feel like they can get through this too, because I know they can. I know yeah. you can. I know I will. We are very strong in this business, but it takes people like you and, and your voice matters. So I'm, Thank you. I'm so grateful for having you. You know, it's uh, being a salon owner is one of the toughest jobs in the world. Yeah. You're relying on other people when you have a salon. You're relying on other people to perform for your reputation. And we're in the reputation business. It's not a high profit job. It's a low profit job. And uh, we have to do a lot of micromanagement and sometimes babysitting. Yeah. And uh, people have very sharp memories. Yeah. But not only is it a very difficult, tough job, you know, it can be an incredibly rewarding job because we are really helping to uh, shape young people and a majority of them are female, so we can have a very positive, a very positive influence on their livelihoods, and uh, and hopefully, you know, I always say, when you give, it's way better than receiving, and when you give, you get way more reward by giving than by taking. So I'm going to continue doing what I do. I hope salon owners find, uh, you know, their sanctuary and their happiness with their intention and even though this is tough and this has been a tough time i'm sure that collectively we can all uh, you know work together stay together and hopefully soon we'll be able to all hang out together yeah. and maybe we'll get that hair show experience again that you had that you spoke oh. about earlier so yeah. that we can uh, you know keep the magic going and uh, you know in our industry we're licensed to touch uh, we, we share so much. It's not just about the creativity. It's also about, you know, kind of the humanity. And we're very knowledgeable people because we know society, because they're our clients. So I think it's, a, it's been very rewarding for me personally. And, um, and I just wish everybody a lot of luck and just always try and stay as positive as you possibly can because um, that's the only thing you can do in life. You're only in control of yourself, so do the best you can and stay positive and thanks very much for inviting me on your great show and good luck with it well thank you thank you and just all the love and you're amazing i'm going home to tuck my kids in bed from the only essential essential hairdresser you are very yeah. essential very very essential well i right. thank you and enjoy your evening you got it take care bye-bye